You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Rebellion and disobedience, unfortunately, has been happening ever since, right from the very beginning of time. And this, folks, is exactly why the world is in the shape it is in today. The fruit of sin is war. The fruit of sin is strife, violence, sickness. The list goes on and on. It causes man to go in a downward spiral. You see, men have made their choice. When you watch the news or browse social media, the condition of this world is heartbreaking. Wars, rumors of wars, violence, discord, oppression, and various atrocities plague our world. How could God let this happen? As Pastor Mike will explain in today's message, all this evil is a byproduct of God's love for humanity. He designed us with the choice to love and obey Him or to reject and rebel. Sadly, many have chosen rebellion, and it's led to the brokenness that surrounds us in this place. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 3 as he continues his message, Temptation and the Fall of Man. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he did eat as well. This is monumental. That is what we have here recorded for us there in verse 6. This is the first great revelation of sin's nature and how sin is conceived within each and every one of us. So let me break this down for you. Remember, I said that there are three elements here. The first of which is sin is unbelief. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Sin is unbelief. And I wanted to give you just a working definition of what I'm referring to here when I refer to that word unbelief. Unbelief is the rejection of God's goodwill and truthfulness. Now think of that in relationship to the instructions that was given to Adam and Eve by God, okay? Uh, And even think about the good instruction that has been given to us through the word. I I, I mean, truly, we are, and you hear me say this all the time, but it is so true. We are a bunch of privileged characters, week in and week out. Think about it. You know, we're instructed in the Word of God. The Word goes forward here. I mean, we don't have a lot to, you know, going on here at Harvest. I mean, God has been good. I mean, God has blessed us. Well, maybe we actually do. I mean, we have one another, and we have the Lord, and we know the Lord. We don't have a huge building and, you know, things, you know, we don't have a lot of money, and, and, uh, but what we do have, we're thankful for, right? And I guess we are blessed. I guess we are rich. But one thing we do possess is an understanding of the Word of God because week in and week out, we're taught the Word of God. 
and we apply it in real practical uh, ways in our life's experience, right? And uh, so I guess in, in, in relationship to that, we're, we are rich. So unbelief, therefore, would be something a lot for us. You hear the word of God. It's going forth from the pulpit. And there's a rejection on your part. The rejection of God's goodwill. We're explaining God's will through the teaching of the word of God and truthfulness, right? Leading to an act of rebellion and disobedience. We're just blowing it off, right? And uh, so there's a basic working definition of what I'm referring to as unbelief, which is one of the key elements of sin, right? It all begins there. So, unfortunately, what is read there in verse 6, unbelief, right? She obviously didn't believe God, and it led to an act of rebellion and disobedience, unfortunately, has been happening ever since, right from the very beginning of time. And this, folks, is exactly why the world is in the shape it is in today. The fruit of sin is war. The fruit of sin is strife, violence, sickness. The list goes on and on. It causes man to go in a downward spiral. You see, men have made their choice. As Hosea puts it, we've sown to the wind, and now we're reaping the whirlwind, the consequences of choosing to sin, to disobey the Lord, to not trust and believe on God's word. You see, the problem is sin, and it's through sin suffering has entered into the world. Now, there's something also significant here that I want to draw your attention to. Notice Adam's participation in this event is unlike Eve's because Adam wasn't deceived by a cunning devil. In fact, Adam, you might say, was just flat out obedient. He didn't have any conversation with the serpent. He didn't have any conversation with the devil. You see, Eve's motivation, think of it in comparison, putting them alongside of one another, Eve's motivation, she wanted both herself and her husband to enjoy the imagined blessing. And that's why she offered it to her husband. She was actually, if the truth of the matter, she wanted to help him. You might say that Eve sinned in error. I, actually, I would put more of the blame upon Adam than I would upon Eve. Because Adam sinned out of pure rebellion. Now, let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. He knew better. He didn't have any conversation with a cunning, you know, devil or the serpent or whatever, right? And uh, he just disobeyed and sinned out of pure rebellion. And that's what the Bible teaches. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14. And Adam was not deceived. There you have it right there. Could it get any plainer than that? But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So in effect then, Adam, as he looked around the garden, said, now this was the thing that let itself, again, it was unbelief. It all falls back to unbelief. Remember, under the heading of unbelief, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to you know, present my case. The things that lead to how sin is conceived within a man or a woman. So in effect, Adam, as he looked around the garden, said, hey, listen, I don't care if I'm allowed to eat of every other tree, while that one tree stands in the garden, it serves as a reminder that I am a created being, that I am not God, 
that I am not in control, that I am accountable to someone else. And guess what? Adam hated it. So what did he, what was his course of action? I'll eat of it and then just die. No big deal. I'll just eat of it and die. You see, this is the very reason why nowhere in the Bible does it put the blame for this act upon the woman. All right, cheers for all of the women, right? In fact, in Romans, let me give you another couple of cross-references for this. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, for as by one woman's disobedience, no, it doesn't say that. It says one man's. You guys, you know, you're such animals, all you men. (laughs) For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, who are they referring to there? The second Adam. Who's the second Adam? Jesus. Many will be made righteous. Let me give you another cross-reference. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, in verses 21 and two, uh, 22. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead, Jesus. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, also from Adam's actions we're learning something else about the nature of sin. And that brings us to our second aspect. Uh, Another thing that sort of uh, lends itself to our falling into sin, and that is apostasy. And even as I gave you sort of a basic working definition of unbelief, let me give you a, a simple working definition of what I mean when I use that word apostasy. Apostasy is, and think about this now, okay, these are all the things that, uh, that, that lead to our sinning. So these are the things that we need to get rid of in our lives, or at least be aware of, okay? So apostasy, what is apostasy? Apostasy, apostasy is simply the falling away from something that formerly existed, which was good. And that is what God had done for Adam and Eve there in the garden. It was all for their enjoyment, this perfect universe. How crazy is that? He placed him in the perfect environment. He created the perfect man and the perfect woman to enjoy all of, all of what he had created. But they, cho- they choose to walk away from that. It's the falling away from something that formerly existed, which was good. You know, we've so deviated from God's plan right from the very beginning of time that men aren't even aware that God has a plan for us. We're not, we're not even conscious of that. And that's, and that's the reason why the natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. And that's also the reason why we need to be born again. We, have, we don't have any inclination, realization that God has a plan for us, and that plan is good. And it's apostasy. We've walked away from it, right? We followed in our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather's uh, footsteps. That is the first man. That is, uh, Adam. So, from Adam's actions, we're learning something else about the nature of sin, and that is apostasy. Again, falling away from something that formerly existed, which was good. Now, interestingly enough, let me validate that claim. Just a side note. Think about this. All of the synonyms for sin in the Scriptures throughout the Bible Uh, For example, transgressions, missing the mark. 
That's where we get the word sin from, actually. It's from a Greek word. Harmartia, missing the mark. To go astray. Shortcomings. These are all words that are used in the Bible. They're synonyms for that, our English word sin. Think about all of, those na- all of those words that I've just mentioned. Each involves a departure from a higher standard or from a state enjoyed originally. Man rebelled and so fell away from the destiny God had for them. Think about it. I'll give you examples from both the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, when the prophets rebuked Israel for its sins, some of the indictments that were brought against them, they said, you have fallen away, you have strayed, you have been unfaithful, you have forsaken God, you have broken your covenant, you have left him for other gods. And all of those ways were used to describe what Israel was guilty of in the Old Testament. Let me give you some New Testament examples of this very same thing, of apostasy, walking away uh, from God and God's plan. For example, think about the parables, uh, the stories that Jesus taught in the New Testament. For example, in Luke's Gospel in chapter 15, it speaks of sin as rebellion or leaving God. We have the story of the prodigal son who leaves home, who goes away from the father, Or how about in that same Gospel of Luke in chapter 15, we have the story of the lost sheep who strayed from the flock as well as the shepherd. So anyway, the point is, sin is rebellion. We strayed from that good and perfect will of God. And so the two root elements of sin is what? Have you been listening? What are the two that we've already covered so far? There's one more. Unbelief and... Apostasy, very good. Okay, so let's go on. There's another component to sin's nature here. Let's go back to that illustration that I used before. Let's put Adam and Eve alongside of one another, their actions side by side. And the one thing, and this is the last component of this, the one thing that they had in common was pride. The one thing that they had in common was pride. And let me tell you something, pride will lead you to sin. Let's consider Adam first of all his determination to go his own way rather than to follow God's path. And God was, I mean, very exact in what the path was. But he chose to rebel against that. What was that? What did that look like? He was being prideful. It was pride. Let's consider Eve. Eve, she felt she knew what was better for herself and her husband than God did. What do we, how do we describe that? Pride. You know, we think that we know better than God. It's pride. We read the revealed word of God and and God gives us the instruction on how to experience life and the full benefit of it and the blessings and we think that we know better than God knows. What is that referred to as? Pride, it's pride. How terrible pride is and how pervasive it is in our society today. In fact, it's been called the center of immorality, the uttermost evil. That which leads to every vice. And I absolutely agree. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, describing pride, said, and I quote, It is that which makes us all want to be more than we are or can be and consequently causes us to fall short of that truly great destiny for which we were created by God. Now, this brings us back to what this message is all about. And that is, we are fallen beings. Even as Adam and Eve fell 
in the Garden of Eden. And that brings us to our fourth and our final point, and that is we are absolutely, that is apart from God, incapable to walk in God's path. So that's our fourth point, incapable of walking in God's path. This is so very important that we realize this. If we would realize this, then we would appeal to God for our strength, you see. In our weakness, he is made strong, right? He is made perfect. God wants to do this within our lives, but we can't do it alone, you know. We have to make our appeal unto the Lord. With him, we are strong. Apart from him, we can do nothing, Jesus said, right? John's Gospel in chapter 15. And so this is something that we need to be very much aware of. And contrary to popular opinion, contrary to the optimistic humanist suggesting that mankind is evolving, the truth, you know, that we're moving towards enlightenment, you know, pretty much that's a a pervasive idea within our culture today. You know, we're moving, we're an evolving people and culture, and uh, we're moving towards enlightenment. The truth of the matter is, apart from Jesus Christ, your life is on a downward spiral. Just the opposite is absolute, is, is actually uh, true. The truth of, of the matter is we are sinful by the very nature of things. We are fallen. We are faithless. We are rebellious and filled with pride. Now, come on, with the exception of maybe Jose. But the rest of us, come on, truthfully, okay? Let's be truthful about this. And as a result, the only hope is in that grace of God by which he sends a redeemer, who instead of being faithless, like us, was faithful unto God the Father. Instead of being rebellious, like us, like Adam, was obedient. Instead of being prideful, like us, like Eve, was humble. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, and being found in the appearance as a man, describing Jesus, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Let me give you another cross reference. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, in verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam, Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. And God promises that Redeemer in this very chapter. I don't know if you knew this or not, but this is the first prophetical announcement concerning Christ anywhere in the Bible. What what am I referring to? Well, chapter 3, notice, there in chapter 3 in verse 15. And I will put enmity, he's speaking to the devil, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It's the first prophetical, messianic announcement in all of the Bible. Chapter 3, there in verse 15. Let me ask you a couple of questions as we close things out here. Do you know him? Do you know Christ? Are you one of his redeemed? Listen, in this fallen state, you'll never experience true life. Because that life can only be found and acquired in Jesus Christ. It's an abundant life. Jesus himself said, made this claim, which separates him from every so-called religious person, 
and leader of every religious organization that ever lived right from the very beginning of time, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one comes unto the Father, comes unto God, except by and through me. So gang, what was lost, the result of the first Adam's sin and rebellion, can be recovered through the second Adam, who is Jesus Christ. Redemption is available to us and the capacity to be able to obey God. Now, just one last thing that I want to throw into the mix and then we'll close it out. I just want to read it. I want you to understand that there are consequences. This is what's at stake here. There are consequences when we choose to sin. You know, he doesn't, God just doesn't you know, ignore our sinning. You'll pay the penalty. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. The wages of sin is death. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. These are, these are laws that govern the universe. You can't get around them. God doesn't bat an eye, turn a, you know, a, his head, ignores our sin. There are penalties and consequences when we choose to sin. You say, how do we know that? Well, verses 16 through 19. Notice, man, Adam, I can't wait to get my hands on him. It could have been so different. But listen, you know what? If you were the first man or if you were the first woman in the Garden of Eden, we've talked about this before, you would have done exactly the same thing because that was in our nature. We were born in iniquity, the Bible tells us, right? That's why God had to send the Redeemer. Anyway, Genesis chapter 3 and verses 16 through 19. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. And in pain you shall bring forth children. Yeah, you know what that's like, don't you? And your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed be the ground for your sake. Prior to, you know, to their sinning, you know, they just, you know, they would walk around and pick the fruit off. They, they had everything that they needed. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to punch a clock. They weren't subject to, you know, some crazy boss who makes great, d- greater demands than you're able to give, you know, uh, from you or of you, right? There was none of that. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. In other words, death for mankind is entered in because of sin. There's consequences, folks. There's penalty. Would you please consider those things when you stand at the crossroads? When the devil presents an opportunity to sin, when you're tempted to sin? Now you know how the whole thing works itself out, how it's conceived within your lives, right? Now you're hip to all of these things. We're not ignorant of the devices of sin. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. When something gets close to an ending, we naturally turn our attention to the beginning. When a child is about to graduate, we look at baby pictures. When a beloved spouse of many years grows close to death, we go over the story of how we met. When we pack up our stuff and move away from a house, 
we remember the first times we walked in the door. And as we draw close to the end of days, it seems only fitting to return to in the beginning. We can watch as light is created in land and sea and all the creatures, day and night in the sun and moon. And when we take a look at the glorious and amazing creation of the world, we can remember that it's the same God from the beginning who is ruling over the end. We can watch in awe, remembering that the end is also good news as we eagerly await His return. And here at In My Father's House, we're so glad you've decided to spend your day with us. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. It's easy to get here with access from Port Authority and Penn Station on 34th. We'd love to see you. Pop over to our website, harvestnyc.org, to find times and so much more. And if you feel compelled to partner with this ministry financially, there's a link for that as well. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. While you're there, take a look around to find additional audio, a link to our Vimeo and podcast. That's all we have time for today. We've loved spending time with you, and we can't wait to meet up with you again. See you next time here in my father's house. <laughs>